if you are not careful and you let yourself be captured by the news and all the noise, it can confuse you into believing that there is more wrong in our society than right with it, that there are more selfish people than selfless people. It is easy to fall into this trap because that's how traps work. They are designed to bring you in and keep you there. The antidote to this comes when you realize that the world isn't full of traps. It's full of goodness, a goodness that far outweighs the bad. Every day, there are more people that you know, that you meet, that you pass by, who focus their efforts and energy into helping others, in service to others, to making their country, their community better. Just as the saying goes, iron sharpens iron. We draw in strength from service, and our service spreads strength to others. The people who spread that strength often blend in with the noise of the world. They are the teachers, the doctors, the nurses, the veterans, the police officers, and so many others. We refuse to listen to the noise, and we want to spread our common goodness by telling the stories of service of everyday people from our citizen servants. This is the Strength from Service Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Strength from Service. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, you can find us uh, wherever you get your regular podcasts. We appreciate that as well as KTOE.com. My name is Jake Palmer. and With me, as always, uh, the venerable Jack Zimmerman <laughs> and Mike McLaughlin. Hi, guys. Jake. How are we doing? <laughs> Not too bad. Outstanding. Outstanding. Who's going to introduce our amazing special guest today? Uh, Mike, why don't you, you'd be better at this yeah, than I Yeah, sure. I'll give her a shot. It might not be venerable. can't spell that <laughs> word, though. So. Let's go with uh, it. Notorious, Marines. yeah. So uh, today's guest is Christopher Hinton. I've known Chris for quite a while, so is Jack. Jake is new acquaintance of Chris's as of yeah. this evening. Hey, Jake. Uh, That's <laughs> Chris grew up in the Waseca area. I'll let him get into his, his uh, upbringing and background. Uh, graduated from Waseca High School, ended up enlisted in the Navy, uh, served his country there, did his enlistment uh, primarily on the West Coast, uh, but then deployed abroad like the Navy does. Uh, came back home, uh, went to MSU, furthered his studies there in education. Originally started working for Blue, the Blue Earth County Jail, uh, mm-hmm. too, at that time. And then that's kind of where I tied in with them when we both started at uh, Minnesota Assistance Council for Veterans. Chris being the, the court case manager for the 5th Judicial District Veterans Court that was just springing up, so Chris kind of got to break that in and saddle break that program and work with a lot of those veterans that are justice incurred. Uh, and then after that, Chris moved into the Wasika County Veteran Service Officer, where he's been in that capacity for going on eight years. Um, and since then, he's been involved in a lot of national pursuits uh, with me, nationally legislative on the National Association of County Veteran Service Officers. Uh, Chris helped with the PACT Act and a lot of other legislation getting that through. And currently, this last year, he was elected and sworn in as the president of the National Association of County Veteran Service Officers. So that's the the president for all the veteran service offices uh, on the local level for the entire country. It's a pretty big deal. It's uh, one of the the big eight uh, service organizations that meet with the secretary of the VA pretty regularly and has a large imprint and a large impact uh, doing the the majority of uh, the assistance for veterans, getting access to VA health care and uh, access to their VA benefits and helping that transition. So Chris is, you know, no pun intended now, driving that ship in that role. Uh, he's also a father to four boys and, uh, and then one girl. 
Uh, so he's got a lot of lot of kids out there. He is a good Catholic. Uh, <laughs> Damn, dude, give her a break. <laughs> at, at that point, uh, and to wrap it all up, something I just learned uh, newly about Chris uh, by a fire uh, last week, having a glass of bourbon, like uh, all good uh, new uh, things uh, occur, is that he is the son of an Irish immigrant uh, too, yeah. as well, which I did not know. So, without further ado. Welcome, Christopher Michael Patrick Hinton. <laughs> very, very. <laughs> I remember that. That's, that. That's yeah, very yeah. formal. Uh, yeah, welcome. Did you say uh, Blue Earth County Jail? Yep. I thought you looked familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Spent a couple of weekends with Jake, huh? Yeah. Just a couple. A special cell just for him. Yeah. Uh, well, we always like to start at the beginning, Chris, and kind of get a little bit of uh, back. We don't want to, you know, we don't need to spend an hour on your childhood, but uh, so where, you grew up in the area or around this yeah. part of the country? Yeah, or? so... I, I grew up over in Wasika. Uh, we had a pretty humble upbringing over there. Uh, my mom and dad, they, they were not as fortunate as others, and we grew up in Vistaville. It's a trailer court that's in that area. Uh, my grandparents, they have the farm that I'm living on now. Uh, we were very lucky to be able to go out there and, and work every day and help out as, you know, as much as we could. So I, I grew up on the farm just as much as I did in town. Uh, as we got older, uh, we were able to move out. We got a nice little house uh, in the middle of town. I grew up, well, as all kids do over there, I suppose. And I played some sports and and uh, got into trucks really big. Uh, I started working real early in my life. I got a, a job with Charlie's Hardware and then later with Delta Trucking. And uh, I would spend my nights working and, and making money. So as, a, I could, as a teenager? Yeah. Oh, cool. That, that way I could fund my uh, addiction for speed. <laughs> Any, <laughs> like the, the pace, not Miles the drug. Miles per hour. <laughs> Miles per hour. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's what I meant right <laughs> yes, there. Yes, wink. No, I, I, I always uh, said if, if I could make it go fast and do something dumb with it, I'd love it. And that's, that's pretty much what I did sure. all the time. Yeah. Yep. Very understandable. Oh, yeah, you get <laughs> I it. can relate, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Super Dave of Wasika yeah. County over here. There you go. Yep. Um, so then uh, I graduated high school in 99, and I was pretty aimless. I was looking at uh, a not-too-bright future for myself. Uh, I was hanging around with some people that, you know, weren't making the best decisions. And I, I just kind of said to myself, you know, I, I really got to get out of town. This is not a good place for me anymore. And I didn't have a way to do it. Uh, I'd always thought about the military. Uh, I really liked the Marines and the Navy. And so uh, I thought about doing that. And it just so happened, it was like I manifested it. It's a big word I've been hearing all the time now. But I get a call. We're having a party at my house. And I, I was in this little apartment. I had, I don't know, like 10, 15 people over. And the Navy recruiter calls me. It says, hey, I'd, I'd like to come over there and say hi. We'll, we'll see what you guys' aptitudes are. So the guy comes over, and he does these, this testing on us and stuff. I scored yeah. pretty good. And, I, and he said, you know, you'd be really good in the, in the Navy. I said, oh, okay, I, I can do that. So then the next day I went down, and I talked to Marine Recruiter because that's more of <laughs> where I wanted to go. And uh, I got set up to, to do that. I went up to MEPS, and I got – through the testing and, and all that stuff, I did well. And the line from the Marines was oddly really big. I don't know why. It was like everyone wanted to be a Marine that year for some reason. Sure. Now, keep in mind, this was uh, in April. Was it April? It would have been late March of 2000. So this is pre, sure, pre-9-11. Yeah, pre-9-11. And 
I get in line, and, and the Navy guy, he's real short. He's like, hey, what, you know, come on over here. What, what, do you, what do you got going on? I said, well, I'm going to join up. He said, oh, okay. <laughs> let, me, let me see that paperwork you got right there. And so I show yeah. him, and, and uh, he slides me in his office, and he starts giving me fancy words and all this and that. And, and he says, hey, you, know, you can travel the world, and, and uh, I, I can get you some money. That guy, he ain't going to give you no money. Yeah. I can get you some money. Marines yeah. don't do enlistment bonuses. No, they right. don't. The Navy sure did. And you're like, you have my attention. He does, yeah. And, and so uh, he, he, he flashes about 15K at me. I said, oh, that works real good for me. I can do that yeah. then. So I joined the Navy and, and uh, get off to boot camp. Did you go open contract or did you go in with a No, nope, no. So I, I, I joined up as a, a sonar tech. Of okay. all things. Yep. So, uh, like babies and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And, and for submarines, too. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. So, a little bubblehead action. And, <laughs> yeah. And uh, That's I get. Ultrasound, I think. Actually. Yeah. I, <laughs> I get to boot camp. Marines. And, and uh, the, I always, I'll always remember this to the day I die. I get to boot camp, and they gave me this pair of boots. And this pair of boots was the most comfortable pair of boots I'd ever had in my entire life. They were amazing. Now, keep in mind, I was working, you know, manufacturing and, yep. and that kind of thing. And so I've got uh, these Brahma boots I'm always buying from yeah. Walmart. Mm-hmm. They're like 35 bucks at the time. I'm sure they're like 60 now. I don't know how much <laughs> they are. But uh, they're just the cheapest, worst pair of boots you ever say, had. a pair of life. Red Wings, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, and so I get these boots, and I'm like, these are my magic shoes. Yeah. I can run anywhere in these. Mama said they'd take me anywhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. And this is this is down at Great Lakes? Yeah, this uh, is down in Chicago, Great Lakes. Boot camp was wonderful. I enjoyed boot camp very much. I got done with that. Uh, they shipped me out to basic enlisted submarine schools in Connecticut. Sure. I uh, hung out there for a couple of months. And uh, we started being able to leave, and I would made, made 82 by then, I think. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any, like, series honormen or any accolades coming through that did promotion-wise? I, I was, normal time well, I was number one in the class at the time. Oh, cool. And uh, I was doing very well in school. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and then I got myself in some trouble. I'm surprised that you didn't have you sign up as an anchor puller with those yeah, arms. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't that big. You got to remember now. Yeah, I was oh, going to okay. say, I didn't get any real weight on me until I got out oh, of the Oh, okay. Military. I was going to say. I was thin and fat. Have you ever <laughs> seen, like, the original um, Captain America where, like, the before, like, he goes in? <laughs> sure. not thing? wrong. I mean, that's yeah. about spitting image. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, the pre-Captain America yep. before the thing. I was going to say, now, I mean, if you look at you, like, oh, that guy for sure was an anchor puller. Yep. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> He's got four right Yeah. Crazy. Popeye over here. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, sorry to cut you oh, off. No. Was that... Was that uh, something that carried over from school? Did you do decent in your academics in school? Uh, too, yeah, I, I got. I was very fortunate uh, throughout high school. I was a guy that did my homework in the five minutes before class, and I didn't do well because I did everything in the five minutes before class because sure. there was no preparation. I was very efficient. I was, and, and everything came really easy to me. Uh, I also didn't try very hard in my classes. I didn't push myself very hard back then because I didn't really care about school. I wanted to go work on my truck. Yeah. Sure. That's what I wanted to do. However, I needed to do it, so I did. Uh, so back to the story, I <clears throat> I get on leave, uh, and uh, I finally am able to leave, and we go out to uh, uh, down to New York, right? I know it's weird how the, the bunch of sailors yeah. in New York, man. <laughs> yep. 
they wouldn't let us go to, to uh, Baltimore, I think. They told us that we definitely could not go there. But we could go to New York. And we went down there. I had a buddy of mine. He had an aunt that lives down there. So we got to stay at her place for the weekend. And then we'd go out and we'd have fun. Is this into 2001 now at this point? Or is uh, this, still... don't, this is still in 2000. Okay. All right. So this would be later-ish 2000. I think the Kursk had just gone down. So this would have been like October of 2000, okay. somewhere End in there. End of the year, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, we're down there having fun, and uh, the homeless population is, is pretty, you know, large there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, one of them happened to come up behind us, and he must have taken a shiny to my hat. And so I, he, he took my hat off the top of my head and went running, and I, of course, wanted my hat back. Yeah. So I ran after him. And uh, I caught him. I got on top of him, and I started getting my hat back. We're wrestling this and that, and I'm, you know, trying to get it from him and landing a couple of good blows. And, and just so happened, old Johnny Law is sitting across the street. <laughs> All he saw was me jump on the guy and start wailing on. So now I'm I'm in trouble. They they bring me in, and and uh, little known fact about submarine school is they are they do not take kindly to you getting in trouble. No. At all. And generally what they do is they send you to go be an anchor puller. <laughs> That's what they do. Uh, again, I missed the, 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 that one. Uh, because I was doing so well in class, uh, my senior chief at the time, he argued that I'd be good at the job. Now, let's keep this in mind because later in the story, this gets important. Uh, sends me to San Diego. Uh, to There's a anti-submarine warfare school there. And I, I hang out there until August of 2001, somewhere in there. Sure. And I get stationed up in Everett, Washington. Uh, maybe it was a little bit before that. Could have been a little bit before that. I feel like I was on my ship a little longer before 9-11. Yeah, I think I was. It could have been a couple months before that, somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, so either way, uh, I do the school down there. Uh, I have a lot of fun. Uh, I do very well. They send me to my ship. I get to my ship, and they say, hey, we're really great to have you. This is awesome. My ship was, the keel was laid in, uh, I think, 80, 85, 86, and then she was commissioned, I think, in 87, somewhere in there. And all the technology for the sonar was from the 60s. <laughs> okay? So I'm talking the old tubes and everything. You have to pull them out. And so my job was to operate them and to maintain them. And any and all sonar equipment that we had. So you were a tube maintainer? I was a tube, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had those in my hand a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm on the ship, and uh, we're you know, going about our, our normal stuff. We're in and out of port like we always are. 9-11 happens, and we're sitting down in the, the bay. Uh, I can't remember what the bay is called, but it's down by Seattle. There. It's, it's actually right in Seattle. Future and uh, nope, no, that would be this is yeah, this is south. And so we're sitting in there, and we got no missiles, we've got no small arms, we've got nothing, like literally nothing. We're there as a show of force, and that's it. With no force, with, with no force, <laughs> and we've only got about an eighth of our crew uh. because everybody was gone. They're all out, and so we had to. We got the word. Uh, we, we were just eating breakfast. We watched it happen, uh, and we get the word, and it was, hey, go now. Don't wait. Go. 
So we leave with, with less than minimal crew. I mean, there's nobody there. <laughs> and we get down there, and they won't even let them row them in. Like, there's nobody on the bay. There's no planes. There's no nothing. And we're like, hey, can we get some more of these guys here? Like, we really need the help to keep the ship floating and going. And nope, you're stuck there. So we were there about three days like that huh. before we were able to kind of scoot out or get some more people in. And what what's, I mean, I guess what was the class of your ship? Was it a frigate? Uh, or frigate, or? yep. Okay. So it was um, the USS Rodney M. Davis. It was an FFG-60. It's Oliver class. Oliver Perry class. I was really hoping you were going to say Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> <laughs> it's so close. So, yeah. close. so I mean, did you guys? I know you, didn't, you said you didn't have any ammo or any, anything uh, at that time, but did did you guys have like deck guns? Did you have like quad fifties yep. or something yep. like that? Or uh, we didn't at the time. Uh, that came after that. So once we found out we were going to get deployed, that's when we got the really cool armament. Before that, all we had we had Sea Whiz, we had a guided missile system, and we had the twenties on the side. And then the seventy six up on top. Okay. And that was the the armor mint, but we didn't have anything to shoot anyway, so that you know that didn't really work out. Sure. Um, is the sea was is that the the automated where it mm-hmm. tracks like a so a lot of people you see movies and stuff and it looks like R two D two. Some of them they they painted them like minions and and that and they go Aah! yeah that sea was it, it'll shoot it's designed to shoot down missiles. Sure. So uh, at the time, I think she was shooting the variant we had. It was about 3,000 rounds a second. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> if, no, it was, sorry, 3,000 a minute a second. That'd be really cool. But it's like 3,000 like, a second. Uh, later, they upgraded it, and it was like 4,500. Yeah. Sure. So Those things cool. are fantastic if they were. Yeah. When the, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, seawater, salt, the air, the whole thing is just terrible mm-hmm. for it. They. Yeah. I was on the bottom of shard every time they tried demonstrating one, they couldn't get it to work. And so oh. that was always the joke. You're going to see one 1941 Japanese zero on the horizon. It's going to sink <laughs> just going to sink the Just nothing's going to happen. <laughs> nothing can happen. No. No. Hold on. Let's fire yeah. it up again. Let's try yeah. it again. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we get the, the word that we're going to go. And this is where, you remember I said we had to tie the story back together. Yeah. So they say, well, we're going to be going to the Gulf. Now, the Gulf is very, very shallow. A lot of people don't know that. Um, they have to dredge it out constantly because it fills with sand, and uh, sonar does not work there at all. If you try to use it, it's just gobbledygook. Because you need depth. You yeah. need depth, exactly. So they say, well, we, we don't need you, huh. so we're going to give you a new job. I said, okay, well, what, what, what am I going to do? And they said, you're going to do what's called visit, board, search, and seizure, and that just comprises of a bunch of dudes that go out in a, it's called a rib boat is what we had, rigid hold inflatable boat. Uh, it would hold all 13 of us and then the coxswain. And you can't say that on here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there, then, Jake, uh, write that down. <laughs> uh, uh, another gunner. Uh, he had the 60 on there. And so uh, we would go and, and board these uh, ships Everything from these small little uh, fishing boats to giant oil tankers. And we would go out every day. It was a blue team and gold team. And uh, I think we did like 167 boardings or something oh, like yeah. that. Like we were there. Uh, and it's, it's basically just small room clearing the entire time, searching yeah. everywhere. And, and then stuff ever get rowdy? Oh, yeah. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you, you know, 
uh, it's pretty much just mount or, or you know ur- mm-hmm. urban warfare room cleaning but in, yep. you know an ever-changing environment because every ship mm-hmm. especially different. every nationality you yep. know ship that's coming in there i just before you get too far down that rabbit hole uh just just wondering at me because you kind of got to see the pre-9-11 uh underfunded dod didn't have the resources and ass that you know they did post 9-11 mm-hmm. i know you know all the army the navy the marine corps air force that well maybe not the air force they always got money but the other three surface branches i mean that pretty much heard from all of our seniors that were enlisted prior to 9-11 of kind of bare bones mm-hmm. i mean even besides your annual rifle call in the infantry and the, the marine corps and the army like those guys didn't give any opportunities for live fire in general right, it was all bang bang all, all budget yeah. yeah wise but so what, what was that i mean from your perspective as like a lower enlisted watching that kind of change where all of a sudden you went from bare bones nothing to all of a sudden they're giving up. ass yeah so it, it did and it didn't we were at the very beginning of that and like I said, when we went down there, we, we couldn't have anything on the ship. They wouldn't let us keep anything on the ship. That, that changed um, after all this happened because they said, well, we can't unload everything. You know, that, that, that doesn't work anymore. So we had to figure that out. Uh, when they suited us up, uh, they gave us some very, uh, they gave us some training. Uh, they had Blackwater come in and send a couple of guys that, that trained us up on how to do all the, the different clearings that we needed to do. And, and, and is this to, still up in Seattle or is this down yep, in the... Okay. Yep. So this is before we left. Sure. Yep. Uh, and then we did a bunch of, you know, mock-up training on, on different tugboats that would come in. We would go board them and, and uh, we had uh, nine mills that had paint. Yeah. Paint rounds in them. Yeah. Sim rounds. Yep, some munitions. Yep. Yeah, those were fun. Uh, but we still didn't have a lot of gear. What and you, the gears... What, what were you boarding most of these boats looking for? people oil more than anything oil so the the main thing was you had maybot and kbot on the south and north side of the persian gulf and at that point in time those were u.s interest oil depots and when the fall happened excuse me when the fall happened they just everybody left and so they were left wide open and so now you had a whole bunch of people coming in that said, hey, there's nobody there. We can make some money. Let's go up there. Let's siphon the oil off. We'll put it in our little ship or big ship or whatever. And then we'll go to another country and we'll sell it. And so you got all these entrepreneurs, we'll call them. They're, pi- yeah. <laughs> They're pirates yeah. is what they are. Yeah. Uh, so they were coming up stealing it. And, and obviously, you know, Uncle Sam didn't like that. That's my oil. So that right. was down at the, the delta of the Euphrates then, or wherever that yep. dumped out? so okay. the Tigris and Euphrates come together, and they dump out sure. into the Persian Gulf. So the, I think it's Kabot was the northern one, and then Maybop was the south one. But I, I, it's been so long, I can't remember. Sure. But either way, uh, so going back to, we were talking about not having a lot of stuff. They didn't, even at that point, knowing, you know, that we're going to go over there, we hadn't fully committed to the war just yet. Like, we were at war, but we weren't at really war, at yeah. war yet. And so uh, they didn't really give us a lot of stuff. Like, we had pretty minimal, um, you know, vests and, and knee pads, and, and we didn't get helmets. Uh, we had 9 millimeters. They let us play with, with a couple of you know, like MP5s, but that was very minimal. They said, no, we, we don't want that anymore. So we got back to the Berettas and a shotgun, and that was what we... We got to 
go on these boats with, you know, like, oh, this is great. Did they, awesome. they cross-deck any other guys from the Navy that they had did. any experience with, with so that they, type of thing to help? They took engineers. They took, um, like, electronics techs. Uh, there were some communication guys. Uh, obviously, you got your, your Bolton's mates to do the ship work and, and that kind of thing. Uh, you had your officers that came with as well because they had to have an officer that would be important. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if the yeah. officer's not there, it doesn't count. It doesn't yeah. count. Make sure you're <laughs> wearing black socks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you had the old phrasal later. That thing was, was never working. So that was fun. So, I mean, that must have been, you know, just a little intimidating kind of doing that that switch with real no other, like, compass from somebody that had been doing it before you guys. You're just kind of had your SOPs set sure. before you went, but kind of just feeling your way through it as a group. Yeah, we, we, we got very minimal direction, uh, you know, and there wasn't any real guidance as far as, like, what you could and couldn't do other than don't shoot anybody unless they shoot you, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. – shoot you uh they can shoot at you don't shoot back until someone actually gets shot don't yeah. don't do that oh, figure out a different way you know let's uh, talk about it yeah. <laughs> Just, hey, easy, easy. well they figured you guys are you know in the navy so you should figure out how yeah. to you know control pirates that's yeah. just part of the bit right like, yeah you got this you already know what to do. no but I, i'm serious serious though like you know that was even even for us like we you know my first deployment we had guys that deployed but weren't really in you know combat i'd say they've deployed to a combat zone just because afghanistan and was kind of winding down and iraq was just in that brackish turnover from the mm-hmm. initial evasion yeah but uh even even in that scenario and we trained for it and having some guys that have been over there it felt you know just a little bit iffy like man i don't have any like hardened guy that I grew up mm-hmm. in the video watching who had been over and, you know, had had his war stories and everything else. It was essentially deployment stories, but and it was kind of a little intimidating uh-huh. going into it the first first bit, trying to figure it out. Uh, and I imagine adding the dynamic of you don't know what language barrier you guys are going to come across to when you're yep. there, so you're not going to have an interpreter like we did because you could have uh, somebody. The end of the gun is pretty universal. Yeah. Everybody kind of knows. Do that. Everybody well, kind of no. knows. Get down. That's the problem with shotguns and nine guns. You got to get pretty damn close <laughs> yeah. to, to make it universal. So, yeah. but but you know, I mean, like you guys were fa- facing facing all kinds of, I, I imagine, multinational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so pirates. You had all shipping. sorts of yeah. stuff there. We we had. Uh, Fellers from Sri Lanka, we had people from India, we had lots of, you know, people from the Philippines, like so many were from the Philippines. Anything from Iran trying to... No, we, 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 uh, they kept real close to land. Okay. Um, I got a cool story about that, but we'll get in that later. Uh, but as far as that, like they would patrol kind of off of their territorial waters, but they never really came out. They, they didn't really want any part of any of that at, at the moment. So sure. Did you trade food or anything with these guys? So we were told explicitly not to do that. Oh, come on. That means you have so to. that means so everyone did it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, so chewing tobacco was the big one. Oh, okay. That was like the universal thing among sailors and, and, and these uh, other people. Uh, I don't want to call them all pirates because they weren't all pirates, but most of them were all pirates. I don't think we found one ship that didn't have oil on it or <laughs> yeah. had already just pumped uh, it off. We, we went to this one tugboat. We come up beside it, and, and we're flagging them down, you know, and, and they're giving us the bird and telling us to get the hell out of there. And, and this thing is sitting low, low. <laughs> I mean, she is low into the water. Like, if, if they had any type of weather, she would have gone down, right? 
And so, but they're gonna make some money. They're yeah. gonna make some money. <laughs> so then uh, we go, we 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 scoot on out of there because we got to get permission to. We can't just find them and, and go in. We have to actually have intel that this this was in that area or, or something like that. So we send out the word, hey, look for, you know, this boat, and we we give some numbers on it and this and that, and we got to scoot on out of there. They give us the the word to go back. Oh yeah, no, that we want that ship. Go get her. So we turn back around, we come back. Now she's sitting about six feet off the water. And we're like, oh, you sons of... Oh. And there is nothing but a rainbow everywhere it. around her. Dumped it right in the gold. And they just dumped it. Yeah. They did that all the time. And so then when we get on board, guess what? There's nothing for us to do. No oil. You know? It, Sorry. And, and people, I think, don't really realize, you know, the pirates, I guess smugglers is a better way to call on it, too, like how much actual international pollution happens oh. on the waters from, from those. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, uh, whenever you get up over into that area, the, the water's just gross. Like, it's just gross. Yeah. yeah. What was the, uh, of the boardings uh, and searches, what was the most unexpected thing you guys found? The most unexpected. Um, you find like a crate full of monkeys or something on it. Uh, we found a, a lot of um, no Bigfoot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we we. I remember we went on. Oh, which one was it? So there was there was these four four larger uh, like crew serve ones where it, it was more like a, a like what we would consider if you go on a cruise cruise liner or something like that sure uh, a lot of state rooms and oh, that kind of oh, thing so when you say crew you mean like staffed like I'm, staff i'm thinking yeah. like you know mark 19s or right. something yeah. Like oh yeah sorry no, i didn't yeah. mean it like that sorry yeah crew okay yeah. uh not cruiser but uh just like crew yeah uh and so the, they were designed like a ferry now and so they would take people from india or from other countries and and bring them up and it was egypt one two three and four egypt two was the bad one she was the one that was always that was the the bad child, I guess you'd call it. Um, the other four we never seemed to have a problem with. Uh, we had a lot of cars and trucks that weren't supposed to be on them, but we didn't really care about much about that. Uh, we found close to, oh, I think it was like $50 million one time in Iraqi money. It was worth less than yeah, the paper you know 15 it was on yeah it was just and we're like can we keep this I'm like no you can't keep that <laughs> what, what was with egypt too the human so, smuggling or what yeah, was going there on was, there was a lot of that but uh so whenever we would go on it it was always everything was really dingy and uh it was never kept up a lot of dead animals like a lot of dead animals and we would find um these big tanks and, and a lot of like uh you know uh, mop gear and shit like that. Oh, sure. And so it was always like, oh, we got to be really careful in here. Like, what? what is all this stuff? Uh, and we got chewed off a couple of times. And uh, I think the Brits, it was the Brits or the Aussies came in after that and, and took the ship a few times. All right. Yep. Uh, we'd go in, we'd find all the stuff, and then we would report back. They'd have us take three, four people up to Umkasar, and then we would uh, the, the Brits would come in take it hmm. so but the the most the I, I, how about this the most creative one i found me and clop were on this little tugboat it was probably 30 foot or something like that and they had 
uh, these different tanks on the sides, and they put concrete over the top of the tanks. They put they put uh, cardboard down. They put concrete down, and then they put like this epoxy to make it look like it was just the floor, like a non-skid or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so as we're going around the ship, and we're kind of like, something doesn't seem right here. What what are these? inspection ports here for and they're like oh those are just ballast tanks and so you you chew down down there and, and and you pull the tape up and it'd be water but it wasn't very deep like it was only like three foot down and those are like nine foot tanks oh, are they? so eh, something's up here something's up and then we seen these bags of concrete just over here i'm like why well, you got bags of concrete on the middle of the ocean yeah yeah and so then uh Klopp, he's getting the idea in his head, and he wants to do some more searching. Uh, Master Chief wants to take off, and Klopp's like, just give me just 10 minutes. Let me look at something. He says, Hinton, come with me. So, okay, we go over there. He's like, grab that axe right there. There's a tank right there. I know there is. I'm like, okay. So I start hacking away at the ground, and I'm pounding, and I'm pounding, and shit's just flying up. You know, it wasn't very good. They just poured yeah. it down. Not like they had any re-rod, nothing. She just opened wide up, and there it was. So we opened up the tank. Sure, shit, she's full of oil. <laughs> just full. We're like, what's this, guys? What, yeah. What's going on down here? Nice. How'd that get there? Yeah, we bought it from us to put it in there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm holding it for a friend. Yeah. Uh, we had another one. They connected all the tanks together. And, and so what they did was they made it look like uh, one of the things that we, our SOP was, if they only had a certain amount of oil on it, it was fine. You could let it go. Because, yeah, a little bit's fine. Like, oh, that guy stole like 10 bucks from me, not 100 Fine. You know, let the guy go. Sure. Yeah. Big deal. So what they did was they got smart about it, and they opened up every tank, and they connected them all with a bunch of tubes. And so the oil could flow through the entire ship, right? Mm. Backwards, forwards, sideways, that kind of thing. Well, they didn't put any baffles in it. So now... Have you guys ever heard of a slack tank? Oh, yeah. Okay. So this ship is a giant slack tank. Sure. We're coming up to it. She's all over the place. We're like, rolling, something yeah. wrong with this ship. Yeah. It wasn't even that bad out, you know? Yeah. So we all get on, and the, and the ship feels the weight of all, you know, all of us on it, and she starts to lean pretty hard. And we're like, oh. And then she stops. And she hangs out, because we, we probably stayed on the one side for, I don't know, five, six minutes. And, and all of a sudden, she just stopped. And we're looking at the guy like, what's going on here? What's going on here, man? What's wrong with your ship? Like, are you in distress? You know, like, here, let's right. help you out. Now we're thinking, hey, this might be a humanitarian thing. We can help the guy out. Yeah. No. No. We start checking all the tanks and stuff. And sure enough, there's a bunch of oil. And the cool thing was you shine your light down there. And then we got so the ship would start rocking again. You shine your light and you could see it come up. And go wash down, away, yeah. and then wash away, and then all of a sudden the tank's empty, and then all of a sudden she's Here full again. Yeah, <laughs> that's got to be a hell of a risk if they get into like oh, medium yeah. to rough seas oh, with that yeah. too, yeah. man. Yeah, just get that momentum going. So. I'm assuming that they were probably just, you know, heading on over to Qatar or, or something like that. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Some close port that they didn't have to go very far. Sure. And and just sell it there. So they were looking at like an intermediary then to, to mm-hmm. run into, and then to pull it all up and ship it all probably somewhere yeah. bigger. Okay. Yeah. Yep, so, I mean, how, I mean, you, you said you guys were kind of rotating between gold and blue. Uh, I mean, how long did this kind of operation, I mean, operations we, last for the deployment? We were there uh, 03 to 04. 
Uh, I think we got there. I, I wish I should have brought my book. Is what I probably should have done, so I could tell you all the good stuff. No worries, you can ballpark it. Yeah, I'm gonna say it was about a year and a half somewhere in there. So it was early '03 to like no. I think we got home about November of '04. Oh no, okay. How much time did you spend on land? Not much. You're almost so, always on the boat. Yep. So when it, when it comes to a frigate, uh, their job is to be out to sea. Their job is a missile sponge. Like that was our big job. It's a utility boat, and so they task it out to do all the different coastal water stuff and, uh, and to go all over and, and, and to go with uh, any type of large um, fleet stuff. Or whatever. Yeah, I, there's a different word for it, and I can't remember what it was. But uh, So we would go like, out with like, them. Like, and then, like a carrier like, group or something yeah, like that? Yeah, carrier group. Or like Thank a you. mule okay, send the frigates out to run, like point yep. essentially and to see if Exactly. So if someone shoots at us, we try to jump in the way and take the hit. They're expendable. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They, you know, take the small ship rather than the big ship. That's the, war, the kind of canary in the coal mine. You're the warning sign for yep. the, the yep. fleet. Sure. Sure. Yep. 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 And, and is that is that, I guess, thought process on frigates? Does, does that go back to like World War II uh, naval uh, warfare and strategy? Because that that seems like that's <clears throat> so. If you, being if you look row. back, you're you're hitting the nail on the head. If you look back, World War One, World War Two, especially two. When uh, uh, submarines were out and they were just absolutely destroying everything that they could see, uh, we were losing some of our larger ships, and, and the way that they got around that was just that. We'll send some smaller ones with and then them, you f- and then they can hit them instead. And then you figure out where the bad guys are when you just lose a small ship, sure. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you came back from that, that deployment uh, in 04. Did you guys go back to, up to Everett, Washington? or We did. Go? Okay. We did. Uh, and then we went into dry dock. Uh, we came out of that, and then we just went back to our normal maritime interdiction operations. And you got to be coming up close to the end of your enlistment because you do a four-year enlistment? I was, a uh, five-year. Five whole. Uh, so yeah. I went 2000 to 2005. Three grand a year on that bonus, yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah. I never got that. Uh, oh, because no. you didn't finish school. Because I didn't finish basic yeah, enlisted submarine school. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, Man, <laughs> sorry, man. That, you took that bonus stateside, so it would have been taxable. So it probably yeah, would have been like eleven thousand. Yeah, over five, uh, five I, years, so. I ended up getting my nice shiny truck, though, twenty-seven percent interest. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, it was fine. I got it. I got it. Well, they like cutting you a deal when you're coming home. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, pretty much just doing the the maritime operations on off the, the coastal waters and stuff. Yep, then at that yep. time, we go south, we go north, and uh, just looking for drugs and sure, a lot of, of cartel stuff and things yep. like that. Yep. Yeah, and and so I mean, did you did you have a thought about staying in, or was it just a I'm getting out, going back you know, home, kind of did my thing? So at the time, I I had gotten married uh, to a young gal out that way, and I had it in my head that you know, hey, I love kids, and I do, I still do, I love kids. I was gonna have ten. Now halfway there, yeah, <laughs> I, I made it halfway. Uh, I got time. Yeah. Yeah, do a lot of adoption at this point. (laughs) Yep. But uh, I I really wanted to have this this awesome family unit, and divorce rates, and and the way that the children were raised, you know, in the military. I really didn't like that. Like that was not going to be conducive to me being a good dad and, and that kind of thing. And so I I said, you know. I, I gotta have to get out, so I got out uh, with the idea of then moving forward with the family unit. Uh, moved back to Minnesota, uh, promptly got divorced. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if 
put that one back on the back burner. Yeah, so that, that, that one turned that one back. Um, I started, my dad had started a, a mortgage company. Which was pretty lucrative at that time. It was. So you're talking this is 2005. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, subprime mortgages were all the rage. Yeah. And so getting a, a loan for anyone and everyone was quite easy. Um, I ran that with him for, I don't know, like four years, something like that on and off. Uh, we had ventured into some commercial capital stuff. Uh, that didn't really work out. We had some really cool ideas on how to do some brokerage stuff for commercial and, and we just didn't have the manpower to do it. Um, did you have any finance background or anything like that before? I that? did not. Just no, I, oh. I I went off of, of uh, no, I stayed my dad's for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I uh, I went off my dad's lead, and he taught me everything I needed to know about that. Um, if I'd have gone to school, I probably would have been a much better loan officer, but I, I was still pretty good. Um, oh, eight happens. Oh wow, and. <laughs> We, it was really for us, uh, we started feeling the pinch in 06, late 06. Uh, 07, it just kept getting skinnier, skinnier, skinnier. Wells Fargo was buying up all the mortgages. They were get, offering points, and, and they were getting everyone to come their way. Uh, I think they saw the, the writing on the wall. And uh, we just, we were a small brokerage, and we just, we couldn't weather the storm. You know, we, we ended up just, all of a sudden, there was no deals. And anyone we looked at, uh, at that by that point, all of the subprime people were, you know, all those lenders were going out the door. Uh, Sterling collapsed in on itself, and that, that pretty much shut it all down. Sure. Yeah. Um, I had gone back to school for industrial maintenance mechanics, totally different swing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, because, again, I loved working on my trucks and, and the mechanics, and, and I was always very good at you know, getting engines to just scream. Go to school for something you're interested in. Exactly. Makes sense. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. Yep. So I did that. Um, didn't pay as well as I thought. Right. I thought it was going to be really cool, you know, like, oh, you guys are getting 25 30 an hour. Oh, no, we're going to give you twelve seventy five, and you're going to work third shift. Uh-huh. It's going to be great for you. Yeah. Got to start somewhere, son. That's uh-huh. right. That's right. Uh, circa 2009 happens, and the uh, VA changes the... GI Bill. Yeah, post 9-11. Yeah, that was a godsend for me. It got me out of this dead-end job that I I didn't not like, but it didn't have a good future, to be honest. Oh, yeah, like, sure. There's nothing wrong with the company. It's, it's just... a long ways to the top. And... Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it didn't really fit in with my plans because, you know, I was going to be a jet-set millionaire at this point, and so it didn't really work. Uh, so instead, I get real smart, and I'm, I'm going to go back to school uh, I tried a couple of different degrees. I uh, got into flying for a little while. Uh, I did some mechanical engineering. That's a tough program. That's, that was <laughs> a very tough program. Yeah. Uh, and then I did. <laughs> Feel, I, I'm feeling super ambitious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I settled into law enforcement because I, I knew that. I was very good at that. <laughs> Watched and, a lot of cops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had Taney experience. Yeah. And I was taking them and being one. Yeah, I, I well, met a cop radio. once in New York. So yeah. there's yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've been through the legal system. I know. Yeah. Need a tour of the jail? No, I've been um, here before. No, no, I got it. Well, that's, I know. It. That's, yeah, pretty, that's mine. That's pretty cool to interrupt you there on the, the post 9 11 GI Bill. That was, uh, we mentioned before, that was something uh, me and Luke worked on with uh, a couple of congressmen back in 08, right away in the start when. 
we were having issues on the old uh, the old Montgomery GI Bill where mm-hmm. the VA wouldn't pay the school, but the school still wanted all the money up front, and then you'd have to come up with the money to pay the school up front, and then the school or you would get reimbursed every month throughout the semester <laughs> for the days you attended throughout the semester, and then they didn't provide a housing stipend or pay for any of your books. So, like when me and Luke first uh, went to school, I think like the dropout rate for veterans was like 50% because nobody had the $3,500 to float the school until their first check started rolling <laughs> sure. in. So that's awesome that that was a big, yeah. big uh, no, that, determination for you. So that was a, that was a real big one. Yeah. Uh, and then the so rolled on the law enforcement. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, it's okay. Uh, it's uh, okay. Um, where was I? Rolled in law enforcement. Um, so how long did you go to school for law? I mean, did you stick it out? Did you finish well, the law enforcement? Well, I did. Uh, I did. I was just trying to see where I wanted to go with it. <clears throat> but so I I hit it hard then because I didn't want to be in school for a really long time. And I enjoyed it. But, again, uh, by this point, I had Austin and Dylan at home, the two older boys. Yeah. And I was missing out on time with them, I felt. Uh, and so... I tried to rush it along, and at, at that time, and I think you can still do it, they do what's called banded credits, where you could do your, your 12, but then anything above that is free. Oh, yeah. And so I would take like 22 to 23 credits a semester. Just got to get your advisors to sign off on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I did that, and then I took advantage of the summer classes as well, and I did the same thing. I would, I would get as many credits as I could, and I just hammered it out hmm. as hard as I could. Uh, I did really well in it, and so they let me just keep doing it. Uh, I graduated in like two, just it was just over two years. I got my bachelor's degree, and then I so I did that in law enforcement and public administration. I started working at the jail shortly after that, and that wasn't a bad job. That was a great job, you know. Vice the people I had to hang around for twelve hours a day. Some sure. of them were a little less. You know, fun to right, hang out with right. than others. But I tell you what, you got a lot of really fun stories to listen to the entire time you were there. So your time went really fast. Yeah. Um, and, and there was a lot of really nice people there, too. So that was it was it was a good job, I felt. Um, but now I was working a weird shift where it was two on, three off, and then three on, two off. And, and then there was a swing in there after a month. So you'd be days and you'd be nights. Uh, with the kids, that made it tough. Um, this is so Gavin had been born at this point and I wanted a little bit more structure and one day I get onto to Facebook now I, I resist Facebook for a very long time I didn't want anything to do with it social media wasn't going to be my thing um, and someone had mentioned that you could you could connect with all your Navy buddies on there so I begrudgingly did it and uh, I, I, I'm glad I did because I got to reintroduce myself to all my old Navy buddies and we got to start talking again and, and, and we still do. So that's, that is a, a great part of that. Memes too. And yeah. a lot of memes. Yeah, memes. That's always yeah. good. It's always good. <laughs> um, but one, one day I, I seen a shout out from this feller that I had met a couple of times in the Veteran Resource Center. Uh, and, and we all know him. His name's Luke. <laughs> Luke Winant. And he was looking for help for a, a veteran in town that couldn't mow his lawn anymore. He couldn't take care of the house. He was having a lot of trouble, and the city was, was on him. They were 
going to find him and all this and that. I said, well, I can come down and help. Appreciate that. And so I got done with work one day, and I just went straight down there in my uniform, took my top off, and started working. Uh, we get the place cleaned up, and everyone's getting kind of tired. It's getting late, and they all beat feet. I stuck around to help Luke clean everything up, you know, get all the tractors put away and all the tools and this and that. And uh, he says, hey, you know, let's, let's have a little chat, you know, what? What, what, uh, what's going on with you lately? And, and we got down to it, and he says, hey, I think I got a job for you. And so he offered me this job with MACV, and it was the two jobs. One was an outreach case manager, and then one was the case manager for the Veterans Court. Uh, and, and at the time, he had offered me the case manager for the Veterans Court because I was already, my background was in law enforcement. I was already working in the courts. And that just seemed like a, a really good fit. And so slid into that job. That was 15, 14, 15? 13. 13? Yeah. What? Oh, it wasn't that far back. Yeah, I think it would have been, well, I think our first day was like September 2013, somewhere <laughs> there. We got hired the same day. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Met him my, my yeah. same day. Actually, uh, I got hired for the veterans court case manager position <laughs> uh, and i took it <laughs> no I, literally there was only one position is what was posted and then we showed up both the same day and they're like yeah you're going to be the outreach worker and you're going to be the vets court case manager and i was like i didn't know there was two jobs <laughs> I, <laughs> thank I, you i was fine with anything yes thanks yeah, yeah i was fine with anything at the time i like chris i was making a transition from something that paid the bills but mm-hmm. i didn't really have a heart in it uh, at that point mike's so like do i still get a desk yeah, yeah. i do well, know okay we, did. we, we didn't, didn't have this a is, desk there's a funny part of this yeah. so we show up and and they stick me in a closet yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a literal closet here's your area i'm like oh uh-huh. okay <laughs> This what are you going to do with the place? Yeah. Works. Yeah. yeah. So they, I mean, they eventually stuck all three of us in one room, and I had like a folding card table. And I think him and Luke Was shared it a, a little side office. Yeah, yeah. We, we shared yeah. that. Shared yeah. A, yeah, we shared a desk. Shared a desk. Yeah, for the first, I don't know, five, six months. But I was always on the road, and you were always on mm-hmm. meeting with clients. So about the only time you were there was Thursday afternoon, sometimes mm-hmm. or Fridays if uh, we were all around the same time. And, and come in, so it was a good do, fit, though. Do some paperwork and then bounce out. Yeah, yeah. Those were good times. We had, we had a lot of fun in there. We got to learn a lot. And so, what was kind of that role uh, for those that don't know? What's the kind of role of a, a veterans court case manager? Like, what do you what are you doing? You know, <laughs> sure. So that 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 varies from court to court. Um, you, it all comes down to what their their the budget allows you to do uh, versus what you have the inclination to do. Um, uh, we were starting this thing out. Uh, this was a brainchild between, I think it was Pat McDermott and, uh, and Luke and uh, Kevin Mettler. And, and I'm sure there's a whole slew of other people that and were a part Judge of it. Walker Judge too, Walker. Judge yeah. Walker, yep. And so uh, they kind of told me, they said, hey, you, here you go, run with it. So me and Luke, we would sit down and have brainstorming ideas. And, and uh, my big thing was I really wanted to get to know these people in their element because that is where a lot of their temptation comes from this is where a lot of times they get to sit and think and and I wanted to see what that was all about and so I advocated very hard for me to do site visits you know every week Uh, that got very expensive that that was there's a lot of mileage involved in that Blue Earth County is a pretty big county Uh, but not only that but this is a multi-jurisdictional court 
And so at one point I had people down in Martin County that were coming up. I had people all over that area. And so there could be a, a, a lot of, there's one guy who was out in Springfield. I was Basically like a, Bloor's County all the way down the I-90 corridor, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, that, that put a dampener on some of the things that we could do. Uh, but we came up with a really great plan on how to help these men and women get into the meat of why they're doing what they're doing and how to fix that. And so we, we would look at things like their health care, their jobs, their shelter, um, all the main things that they have to have, transportation, medical care, you know, all that. And we would help solve every one of them because we believed that if you could get their base needs solved and help them get through that, that they could then start building and become a functioning member of society again. Just like anything, you got to have a foundation. Exactly. Right. Sure. Um, they would then come to court. Uh, every it was like every two weeks, I think, is what it was. And we would uh, have everyone stand up, and they would talk about what they no, did for the most, week with most the judge. People. When I was there, not everybody stood. Yeah. Yeah. Not really oh, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, but you, you haven't been a participant yet. You just yeah. been, oh, it's uh, true. Yeah, just a <laughs> mentor. Give it time, man. Uh, and then that's a good point too. And so we uh, we developed a mentor program, and that was a designated person that was for the veteran to talk to. That wasn't a case manager. It wasn't a, a you know social worker. It wasn't a therapist. It wasn't their probation officer. This is a another veteran that they could just talk to and, and do things with, and uh, they could help them like they're having a bad day. Call them. Yeah, work, I mean, work through it, you know. I mean, yeah. it was a kind of the good cop side of it all because pretty much everybody else in vest court was usually coming down on somebody. Yeah. You're not doing enough of this. You should be mm-hmm. doing more of that, X, Y, Z. And yeah. then there's the yeah. there's the good cop mentor that's like, yeah. ah, we're, we're killing that's, it, man. We're don't, doing good. Yeah, doing don't, good. don't let those guys bring you down. <laughs> yep. Yep. So uh, that was the meat and potatoes, really, of, of what that was all about. Uh, but it really, that's what really hooked me into helping veterans. As a service aspect, yes. that's what I was just going to ask. Is like, you try different things, like you know, mm-hmm. working in the maintenance thing. You're not really doing anything for anybody else. No. You know, you're maintaining no. a machine. You know, and nope. like, even with the loan stuff, there is a personal aspect mm-hmm. to it. But really, at the end of the day, you're just trying to help them get money yeah. so you can get your money. Yeah. And when it really came down to it, I mean, this was really the first time since the military, right, mm-hmm. that you've had a chance to really mm-hmm. serve people or, or yep. try to help change their lives in, in a, a capacity every single day. And, and in a measurable way, though. Right. That was the bigger part of it is, is it was uh, I could actually feel my cup filling up, yep. you know, and, and that was that's what really got me into it. Uh, fast forward to early. And you knew now service was your thing? I did. Like this yep. is where I'm at. Yep. This will be now we fast forward to very late. 2015, very early 2016, my contract is coming to an end with Fifth Judicial District. They're doing some negotiations, uh, MACV and Fifth Judicial District, and uh, they're 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 not really working out so good. And so MACV then absorbs me back into the organization as an actual employee, and. Uh, doing outreach ish. They really had me answering phones. Case and, worker, and, and, essentially. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I would go out and help the guys when they, you know, wanted help or whatever. And we would do the different uh, stand downs and, and other uh, events that we had. Uh, but it wasn't uh, what I was doing before. 
Do you feel kind of purposeless? A, a little bit, uh, but not totally because I was With I was friends. learning SSBF at the time and SSAP, and I was I was learning what those programs were and how to use them and how to help people like you know get their dental care and get some money okay. in their pocket and, and that kind of so thing. You still so, learning little little stuff. Yep. Yep. Uh, Did you know where you wanted to end up yet? I didn't. I didn't. Uh, but what was really fortunate for me is that the, the county veteran service officer in Wasika County, his name is Dennis Deneen at the time, he had been serving uh, 39 or 40 years at that point. And he had decided that it was... Just getting going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was time to, to, you know, hand it off and, and be done. And um, so I put my, my hat in the ring. Yeah. We went through a, a whole bunch of different rounds with people and, and, and different interviews and, and i got very lucky that they chose me uh i, you I did. will say you this yeah. yeah thank you, you did, man. Man. I appreciate yeah, for that. real i mean it just doesn't when you when you're in a pool like that they're just not yeah. like and, and there was some very stiff competition it was a competitive right. interview i remember because i was we were still co-workers and mm-hmm. you were like prepping for your interviews mm-hmm. and stuff in a second round interview and doing presentations and stuff so yeah, yeah don't undersell it man yeah, yeah. you didn't get lucky you earned that thing yeah. well thank you i appreciate that um I attribute a lot of it is is to the fact that you know, working at MACV, I was I was introduced to all these different programs that a lot of CVSOs already use, yeah. and so I was able to articulate all of that in my interviews, and so that that really helped. Working with in the court, seven different counties, you got to kind of mm-hmm. see seven different ways yep. of doing business at the county level too. So, and well, and the other thing was is they didn't have a, at that point they had. Dennis split between the emergency management and doing the CVSO work. And so his outreach had dropped significantly. Sure. Well, what choice did he have? Yeah, He didn't. Exactly. And so I came in saying, hey, this is what my plans are. I already know how to do outreach. I already know how to plan events. I already know how to draw people into them and stuff. And so they ate that up. That was great. Uh, I started in... March, March of 16, somewhere there, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I've been there ever since. Uh, we went to, we went out east to NACVSO. They had, I did their basic course in South Carolina, Myrtle Beach. And. But yeah, they couldn't have any more nice. But, you know, <laughs> it would have been really nice if I'd have got out much but with you know, basic they had you in there pretty hard i was gonna say it's yeah. like they couldn't, at, at, they couldn't have it in missouri or somewhere yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all for like i i got to the beach a couple of times which was yeah. nice yeah for nice. for uh cvsos and then vsos out there to be accredited by the va your initial like basic class is essentially just a meat grinder of a week of <laughs> mm-hmm. 10 hours a day of just class time and then you get tested out at the end of the week. I mean, it's, it's no ASVAB, Jack. You're saying I got a chance. But I mean, it's, I mean, the initial one is, is a lot to, to try to figure out. And especially on our, our model, when you're the, the local uh, veteran service rep, you pretty much, even with offices where you have other people in there, but especially some of the smaller counties like Chris's, you're just alone on an island out there, and you show up after training, and all of a sudden you're accredited, and you got to be able to figure out <laughs> what <do>. to do. <laughs> in Minneapolis VA is, I mean, we get the same numbers that mm-hmm. every other veteran gets to get access up there, and the St. Paul Regional Office for any issues with benefits mm-hmm. is the same number veterans get, so you have no special in it. You start yeah, until, you start, until yeah. you start building relationships just yeah. like anything else. So yeah. We... Um 
the state of Minnesota has a, an accreditation program as well. You go through and you, you take these four phases is what they're called. Um, they're very helpful to beginning um, CVSOs. Uh, MACVSO has now also started really ramping up what they do to help new CVSOs. Uh, sorry, it's Minnesota Assistance, Minnesota Association of County Veteran Service Officers. It doesn't so matter. You're not the president. Of yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. But really, but though, what you're saying, though, is is that our, our, our service officers are having more tools and more training exactly. so we, that we have this, veterans as a whole can be served better. Yes. Yeah. So Minnesota is, is, I would call it the flagship. And, and I'm not saying that because I'm biased, but yeah, they have Ohio's up there too. Ohio's definitely right up there. Uh, we we have a great collaboration with with the states and, and with our Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, along with um, all the the different associations, nonprofits, where we work really well together here, as it should Minnesota. be across the country. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, there's it, it's very little, very little of you know competition. I'll, I'll call it. Yeah. Where people are get sore about, oh well, they're doing this and they're no, it's One well, team what are like, you doing and yeah. and how can I do that too? Or hey, I'm doing this. This is working really good. Everyone look, and then they can all copy or paste or whatever for sure. And and good, I, I yeah, agree. if and it's, it's working it's for the benefit of the do it, yeah, and their families too. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if there's a lot of uh, is there a lot of back and forth interaction from uh, just a county to county or a state to state with the with the service organization. Um, definitely county to county. Okay. Um, I call on my, you know, colleagues all the time. Hey, I got a, I got a weird one. What are you, what are you guys seeing? Or, Hey, what's our best practices on, excuse me, what's our best practices on kidney cancer uh, with Vietnam vets? Sure. Like what, what, how are we, how are we writing this up? What's the best way to do this and so we share that amongst each other and, and that works well well and every time i mean you think you you've seen it all something walks in that mm-hmm. you haven't seen before you yeah. know that was i won't get to do but i had a, had a guy that was part of the shad project and i didn't know what shad project was and it was a project in the 60s and 70s where they just put guys on navy boats put them out in the ocean and sprayed them with contaminants and agents to see how they would see respond. what happened yeah they did that for 20 years and it's like a known project and looking for any volunteers yeah, yeah, per, yeah. nope they didn't even ask for volunteers they just <laughs> they hey said, we're getting hey, out of ship and we're going this you way you get to go hey, congratulations everyone go, everyone go stand up on the deck yeah don't so worry take my yeah, picture yeah, i'm finally sailing pretty, pretty much but Terrible. so like those random hole in the wall things that you you still even mm-hmm. at this many years later still run into <laughs> but and i and i would say it takes probably about a year to figure i mean not not to figure it out but just to get comfortable in your your skin doing the job and so after, like, that first year of you going through that, I mean, was there any inkling at that point that you saw the potential to serve, like, in a greater capacity in sure. addition? You know? So it, it almost exactly to the year. Um, we went down to, oh, this was 17, I think. We went to San Diego. Yeah, there you go. There's a nice place, yeah, San yeah. Diego. <laughs> yeah, it's San, terrible. San, it was, it, honestly, Diego. we didn't – we just got to Diego. hang out on the – resort and just uh, not originally <laughs> originally discovered so, by the germans yeah uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I military experiences may vary yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only beach i was on was uh Argandau river valley oh. beach you know, uh, river yeah so, so got out got out to san diego yep. on that side and uh we we had uh, started the whole process and i and i was paying more attention to what nacvso does and 
what they you know could do and i got to hang out with uh, a fellow cvso and a, and a whole bunch of them actually and and a lot of them were leadership that i i had met back in myrtle uh, <laughs> just by coincidence and similar uh, training different beach yeah <laughs> 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 yeah, and uh, they had you know graciously invited me along, and so we were we're sitting on the the patio uh, of uh, Marty Marty Caraway's place, and we were all solving the world's problems at that point. We had come up with all these great ideas, and what really got me enamored with it was the way that everyone was just so passionate about it and they were talking and they had solutions it wasn't just a let's talk about all the problems what's wrong yeah it was well here's what i see but this is how i think i can do this what do you think and And then we had a round robin it would just go down oh and it's all for the benefit of people that aren't in the discussion it's not anybody there that's going to directly benefit Mm -hmm. from that it's the people back home that everybody's serving i'm curious um this is this is maybe a little in depth, but when you when you talk about like you know, coming up with these ideas and different ways we can serve and we can you know create these benefits and and the real world experience for me is my wife is a financial services for Blair County and so she has a very strict set of rules and guidelines. Now it's mm-hmm. different you know on every single page depending on the situation, but I mean there's parameters that she has to work within. And their motto is always look for ways to get people approved, not sure. disapproved, which I yeah. assume is a similar. I'm curious if that's the same thing that you're kind of, I don't want to say saddled with, but are, are there pretty straightforward guidelines and rules and if then go to kind of things? Or are you guys as you know, service officers, are you allowed to kind of recreate the wheel and, and make a, you know, avoid the cookie cutter and kind of create an individual plan? So there are rules. Uh, it's the 38 CFR. And then we have the M21, which is kind of like the VA's guideline on how to interpret 38 CFR. <laughs> so right. we, we get to look at both of those. And so we have uh, the ability to work within that framework. Now, when you're developing a claim, every single one of them is going to be different. You're going to have someone come in that has the exact same ailments that another person that could have been serving with them at the same time has, they're going to be two very separate claims because one, maybe they say they come in for tinnitus, but one was documented that they were given earplugs and one wasn't. Or that, um, and, and, and the most recent thing the, with the 3M ones, mm-hmm. oh, well, you had the 3M earplugs you were serving at that time. Is that what they looked like? And then we go down that rabbit hole versus someone who had double hearing protection or or different things like that. Um, and so when you say what? we get to <laughs> double yeah. secret protection. Yeah. So yeah, he's like, what? What? Yeah. Huh? Uh, so when you say like, you know, uh, try to make the thing work for everyone, that's exactly what we do. Sure. We get to be uh, definitely a little more creative. That's for sure. I'd, yeah. I'd say the unique thing compared to the, the VSO versus the financial workers is we're, we're the representative for the veteran, not the approving authority. So right. We're essentially working as their advocate. Advoc- mm-hmm. Yeah, advocate's the big thing within the system because they obviously the, the system's so big and like even telling the listeners trying to figure out what a CFR and M twenty one is and that 
what's code of federal regulations and what what does policy have to do with regulation and that's probably why you see a lot of veterans uh before you know you guys really i'm not saying that you guys but county veteran service offers such and, and things like that especially the vietnam guys would just come home and you look at this paperwork you just throw it in the air and go screw it yeah. <laughs> i don't i don't need mm-hmm. this it's, it's not yep. worth the it's not worth the hassle so it, depending on i mean we're kind of like uh greece and the fact that we're all the same but we're all our own little city state so some county boards uh, have different mandates for what and, and administrations or what counties can do in, in that scope and other ones essentially say, you know, serve veterans the best that we can in, in this county mm-hmm. and, and whatever it whatever it takes within the law that you're allowed to do. And that's not just on the VA side, but community advocacy mm-hmm. with uh, the volunteer veteran service organizations and helping coordinate that uh, to fill in those gaps too for more VA can't provide. Um, that's that's a, a large portion outside. People always get wrapped around the axle about the claim stuff with yeah. VA, but really connecting people and then even the healthcare side of it with yeah. mental health services yeah. and getting people enrolled. And you'd be surprised how many people uh, don't know how to talk to a doctor. No, absolutely. You know, yeah. I can tell you this. A veteran is by far their own worst advocate. They are terrible. Oh, They'll everything's and, fine, and, though. Oh, I went to the doctor, you know, because I have this slew of issues. And the doctor asked me what's going on, and, and I said, oh, you know, I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, sorry, it's, sorry. It's, it's uh, all right. He didn't yeah, find anything. Okay. <laughs> he said I was I was great, but, you know, my foot's falling off. Uh, I mean, right. not yours, yeah. but right. oh, yeah. No, it's gone. It's, yeah, it's, it's not gone. falling off. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, the exact same thing. You know, they, they've got some horrible disease. You know, they can't breathe or whatever. And, and But they're like, oh, you know. I look at my best days, and so I'm pretty darn good, you know. Yeah. Oh, stop I'm not that. Dead. No, no, yeah. you're not. You are not good. Nobody's shooting at me today, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, so is it? Wait, I had a question. Is there an award for the best dressed CVSO? Because I'd imagine you're how many years running now? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I think Nathan, Nathan Tish will probably get that oh. one. That guy always comes correct. I mean, I he looks know. like he golfs every single day, but he is. Whatever, you have a tuxedo on at all times. Uh, you have a tuxedo on every day. Yeah. I swear. Uh, so, I mean. He, Getting get to national, and I, and I guess he can talk about how you, how you got uh, decided you wanted to run for like a like wow. position. But uh, you know, can you give a little background on what NACVSO's like position is nationally and, and kind of the role of the organization? Sure. Um, so with, with NACVSO, their their big mandate that we we have tried to adhere to our mission statement. I could I, I don't have it in front of me, and I should probably know it at this point by heart, but. Um, You've only been president for like two months. So. Yeah. Um, what what we're trying to do is we're trying to uh, empower and help our CVSOs, our TVSOs. Those are different acronyms for similar positions that do what we do uh, to be the best possible advocates that they can they can be. And we are here to teach them. That's that's our our main our main foundational uh, pillar is going to be that we we teach. And, like, that's what we do. We teach. Uh, we advocate. Uh, we have legislative uh, wing that, that works out really good for us. Um, we can't necessarily go out and uh, lobby, but we can teach. Mm-hmm. We can show, hey, this is why this is a really great program. <laughs> can't lobby, but we can educate. Uh, yeah. and, we, and we can show, like, the results yeah. of policy on the front mm-hmm. lines. Is the difference between lobbying and education money? I think so. Yeah. And, and, uh, a check in and, follows and like it, or a, a direct ask. Yeah. 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 Uh, the other thing is uh, w- what we're trying to do is we're trying to create 
a system uh, that will help all of these, these different CVSOs, TVSOs, GVSOs do their jobs nationwide. All right, so that we talked about it earlier. Every, every county is their own little fiefdom, and they can do things as they you know, deem fit. But what we want to do is um, we have this program that we want to, to continue to create, and it will continue to evolve, but it helps all of these different um, advocates do their job better and better and better and better. We, we want to get everyone, you know, connected with everyone else out there. Nonprofits are a huge thing that not very many people take advantage of. I think that's something people should look into more. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're in the advocacy, you know, portion. That's what they're for. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they're, you could use them as your you know, side wing or whatever. Yeah. Um, we don't get into that real hard on the national side. That's more state side, I guess, or local. Um, on, the, but, on the national level, what's, uh, are burn pits going to be the Agent Orange of oh, totally. that rack after totally. Sam Vetter? Um, already are. Yeah. That's, uh, we're, we're not going to call it burn pit, so it's going to be toxic exposure. Toxic exposure. Yep. Toxic exposure. So they got uh, the, the terraforms that every time you go in and, and see the Yep. Your VEA doctors, they always ask you, hey, have you been in this area? Have you been exposed to this? That's called a Terra Memo? Yeah. Right? Terra Memo? Toxic yeah. exposure risk activity. There you go. And uh, so that screens that person. And once they have that check mark, then that says, hey, this is a person that you should probably follow up with. And, yep. and this is a person that um, could have some issues with this and to watch out for. Sure. It. Yeah. They're collecting data on our whole group mm-hmm. and trying to weave connections between, right. you know, shared medical uh, stuff that's one out of the, there. Excuse me. Is there something that we don't see coming? Well, one of the things that was missed out on with, with prior generations of, of our soldiers and sailors was when they would go to the VA, they weren't, um, they were forgotten about later. So they'd go in for a little while, but then they would leave. Yeah. Whereas what they're doing now is, like he said, they're collecting data so that when new changes come out, they can send them those new changes out to our veterans and yep. say, hey, this new thing has happened. You may get more benefits. And, and there's a letter they've just been putting out recently, and I'm sure a lot of people who have been in, in the VA or involved with the VA have now received, and it says, hey, you may be eligible for these other you know, benefits. Mm-hmm. Go in and see your VA reps. Yeah. And that's why right there because yeah. in the past well they, they didn't have that that information they couldn't reach out when, when and how have we not got all the systems to talk yet between the oh, military branches and the talk, VA talk, that is, talk to the federal government yeah, that's, no but that's I mean really DOD. though I mean it just I mean uh, it just seems like common sense right no, I, so I mean why why is why does common sense become such a barrier sometimes like what is it what is really stopping this from helping guys streamline from look, here's my records from the army, and they're already in the mm-hmm. VA. I mean, they're the same. I mean, they're the same company overall, just different ways. Well, they they are and they aren't. You think it's the one federal team, government. one fight? Well, yes, but yeah. it's it's it, okay. So you look at the VA. Everyone sees the VA as just the VA. It's not. It's not one VA. You got multiple different branches of the VA, and they all operate separate of each other. Oh, I found out. I oh, just found oh out. I know. He oh, says, I just I found know. out. <laughs> Uh, so Texas I, won't talk to Minnesota either. Yeah. So we uh, recently, uh, this is a great example. Uh, we have been working with um, 
uh, DOD and the VA, and we're trying to go through uh, the transition program and how to make that better. Yeah. And one of the things that they really ping on is the sharing of the service members' uh, health records and, and service <laughs> records with VA. I had to bring all mine from Texas with me. Right. They're like, here, like, bring your records. In a packet. Oh, no, not yeah. a packet, Chris. I had eight eight, eight, uh, eight, uh, eight, no, boxes. eight boxes <laughs> of medical records from my time, you know, getting wounded. I mean, Show all off. the noting and documenting and everything. Oh, sure. And Jim's like, hey, bring those uh, documents in so we can get them scanned in over at least for yeah. county. And I'm like, you sure? He's like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I brought them over. And Jamie, so like, uh, Jamie looked at him and she's like, come no, on. No, 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 we're not doing that. Get a head in that box? <laughs> What's yeah, in the box? Not war trophies. Yeah. Uh, Oh, Again, uh, you know, individual uh, experiences may vary. Yeah. I had a hangnail once. That was, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I my, just got rid of that finger. Mine was like two inches <laughs> thick, and I carried it by myself. Uh, there you go. Uh, yeah. So, but that's uh, so that's a really you know great example of of one of many different issues that come about from computer systems, especially that don't talk very well to each other. It's just insane that I can link my Facebook and Instagram, but I can't get my VA medical yeah. records from the uh, VA. There's, there's a couple of forms that are, uh, you know, you have your VA form and your DOD form, and they do the exact same thing, but if you don't use the right one, <laughs> you, your pay ain't coming to you, and that's just the way it is. And so you got to know that, and, and that's where, the, you know, these advocates like the CVSOs come into play is we have to know all of that stuff or, or be able to find it at <laughs> least, so, like so, be able to research. So just to, to, I guess, clarify not to go too far down the rabbit hole, right, just yeah. how kind of dysfunctional it is. We're county employees, we're veteran service officers, so we're like the local wing of the VA for like, think of local government. But you're not paid by the VA. See, yep, no, not no. at all. So think no. of like FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigations, your federal agents, and then think of like your state uh, patrol, your state troopers, yeah. your state law enforcement, and think of your county sheriff. They all have shared access to systems together. Absolutely. VA won't talk to us. <laughs> like, they just won't unless... Unless we go through a professional association like Chris is the mm -hmm. head of NACVSO right. or through a VFW or American Legion. But think of, think of if you're, you're – The FBI is just like, hey, can we, can we run this driver's license? But, but think of we your, don't talk think to of you. Think of your uh, sheriff's deputy pulled you over on the side of the road and uh, went to go pull you up in the, the uh, background to see if you have any like outstanding warrants. And they're like, oh, you're not a, a member of the police uh, association, so we're not going to give you access to it. It would be insane, you know, but yeah. – but like even and not just VA, DOD and the National Guard don't always have you know shared systems too on on the same side this, of it too. This blows my mind. This but is you, one of the things in this world, you know, you have the pyramids and you have the VA. You know, just things that blow your mind. But DOD, <laughs> DOD, Department of Defense, and VA are like literally the two biggest agencies, manpower and woman power in the United States, and probably the largest form creating agencies mm. <laughs> in and, the United States. And they're not alone. I mean, it's the same thing. Like I said, financial services, same thing from state to state from yeah. county to county it's the same thing um you know look at the driver's license problems we've had <sighs> you know talking to each other and and, and yeah it's, it's like it's brand new like we've never red tape we've yeah, never just, ever issued a driver's license before so this goes all the way back to to the beginning of when we started our, our country and we have these dual state powers right you mm -hmm. got your federal government you got your state government well each one of the states got to choose how they did what they did they made their own forms there there wasn't a a thing that went around and said, "Hey, everyone, use this form." Get on board, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and but so can we got, do that now? I, I don't see where <laughs> that's going to come I, up. But he's, he's not that kind of president. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't quite get there yet. Oh, 
Oh, he's got a few skeletons. I'm disappointed now. A few skeletons in the closet for that kind of president. So, uh, uh, and a little bit of a soul to his yeah. yeah. So back to you. Uh, the point you made about <clears throat> being on the beach in Malibu or whatever the heck it was. And <laughs> yeah. Sitting around with San your, Ysidro. Yeah. yeah next there. year's Florida, guys. Yeah. Your shrimp yeah. cocktail and your masseuse and whatever it was. Um, <laughs> so the thing you mentioned is that the inspiring part was it was a bunch of guys with solutions. Yeah. Not it, problems. It, so as the president now of the national organization, what is do you have a path? Do you have a vision? Do you have an idea of, like, hey, this is what I'm going to try to do to make this better? Yeah, Mr. President. Don't yeah. speech. Give us your stump speech. Yeah, stump speech, uh, stump speech yeah. around me sounds. Squeeze the more than stump. <laughs> Jump to it. Yeah. <laughs> Can't even handle it. The, the big thing that uh, we're, we're really pushing for right now, and, and this actually goes back to that, that same night, um, I got this idea in my head, and, and we all shared it, is we would like to have a, a CVSO, TVSO, GVSO, or equivalent in every single county throughout the United States of America. And that is a huge goal. Yeah. Like, tremendous. Are we a half? Uh, no. Uh, we're, we're a little over half. I think we have 38 member states in NACVSO right now. Uh, we have, I think at the last I looked, we were 1,600 and... I think it was like 58 or 38. Is it money would be the reason they wouldn't get in? No, no, it's not that. It's um, every state has their own government. And so not every state has CVSOs, TVSOs, or GVSOs. Some only have state representatives. Got it. Uh, So uh, if you want to go get your veteran claim done, you either have to go to the state itself, which means you have to travel to wherever they're at, which means you have to probably get an appointment well ahead of time. Or you have to go to a local VSO, like an American Legion or a VFW, that is able to do that for you. Um, we want to make that much easier excuse me, by having an office or, or a person in each county so that they don't have to have this, this right. small amount of people. They can have a very large amount of people that can help them. Um, not quite where the CVSO Act was born. But a big part of it. Yeah. And so uh, we've been pushing really hard to try and get this, this awesome piece of legislation done. And Mike has been instrumental in this. He has done such hard work and such, such good work on this. Um, and he is, uh, I'm really hoping he's going to be the guy that helps him, him and Herm are going to be the guy that is going to help me achieve that goal during my presidency. Um, the idea is to bring federal money to the to the local level, yeah, um, I think we can do it. I really do. It's we are so close. Yeah, the the idea around that group discussion, you know, back in seventeen was uh, when people go into maps, whether it's in Minneapolis, Milwaukee, or Sioux Columbus, Falls. or Sioux Falls, even Sioux Falls, uh, or Oakland, or or wherever it is. You know, they raise the right hand and they swear uh, an oath uh, to defend the U.S. Constitution and allegiance to this country. When they come back to their home community, wherever that is, there shouldn't be a whole spectrum of range on they're going to have no services or help or assistance available for them in their community. If they live in, um, you know, some county in Missouri or if they happen to walk into, uh, you know, uh, Winona County in in Minnesota and they have uh, service officers that are accredited to train in there to help walk them through, help them adjust because people forget when the average person serves four years but 
the the transition period in itself, just career-wise, is about double that, just getting into normal life and getting dependent, especially on what some people's experiences are. But then the healthcare and some of the lingering effects, especially from the toxic exposure side of it, uh, deployment injuries. Mental I mean, health. That, that, mental health. That's a lifelong commitment that this country has to make to those men and women that served. And for for some states, and it's not picking on them, like Montana, it's a six-hour drive to go talk to accredited rep. It's wrong. <laughs> you know? And and should they be penalized because they live in a state that doesn't have CVSOs right. or that their, their state mm-hmm. uh, is relying on it? And the, the misnomer a lot of times is that VA has those services. Well, they, they have the care services, but they don't have any really anybody to help navigate or get you into it or figure out that system. Uh, and Chris's priority of pushing that to get as much broad-spanning coverage and as local in the veterans' own community, too, uh, I think is one of the most admirable ones out there right now in the veteran landscape because you all know it in, in our hometown is you're more willing to go and to talk to somebody that somebody you, you know knows or that somebody's referred to or had an experience for that warm handoff versus yeah. hey drive six hours and go talk to somebody in a sterile office that you're probably never going to see again tell them some of your most intimate exposures and experiences in that hour hour and a half interview and then drive alone six hours back home to where you're going and think about that and see and if you want to keep doing that and expect them to do yeah. the best for you and people wonder yep. why we have some of the issues with and that's not just this generation but you know the higher suicide all rates and homelessness and yeah. that piece of it and think of what we all train for in the military counterinsurgency operations how do you and i'm not saying the veterans are the insurgents but how do you how do you are effective you have to be where the people among are among them yeah. yeah and that's that's Chris's goal. That's his pursuit on it. I mean, that's not on his challenge coin yet. Wait, but it was, man, it was yeah. more than getting his face on a billboard? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was before he was president. Yeah, that, that was. Oh, that my was, gosh. Uh, that was just me trying to smooth everybody. Big time. In. I was like, yeah. my big face. Look Sammy. at that guy. I got to go see That was, pro- that was, that was part of his electric speech. I don't know if you know this, but kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Take a, take a picture of me. Uh, right. There yeah, he is. Yeah. So this is a point, Chris, where I would probably ask what you know what's what's your next step. But it sounds like you kind of have that step, and you're you're kind of focused on. I mean, not only with the oh, national right. side, but you still have to maintain the county side, yep. and and so I, I would imagine that consumes most of your energy well, and focus. It 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 does uh, as far as uh, locally, but at the same time, it's it's not as bad as you would think. Um, one of the really good parts about being you know involved in the national landscape is you get to learn all these best practices throughout the whole United States. And I can bring them back here, and I use them. Mm -hmm. And it makes my life so much easier. Um, Getting to know different uh, computer systems, uh, you know, like client management systems that work really well with with, um, veterans and and how how that all goes. Um, I can now do claims from my home. Nice. To a veteran in their home. Yeah. And they, I can send them the whole thing, and they can sign it with their finger on their phone. Sure. And so, you know, you get some veterans that maybe can't walk around and don't <laughs> want to get up. Well, Shots they can fired. just. Yeah. <laughs> Lazy. Yeah. They can just sit at home on their couch eating right. Cheetos and sign the paperwork after the, we had the conversation. Um that also goes with, though, if, if for people who just literally can't, like they're infirmed mm. at home and, and it's, it, they just won't be able to do it. Um, members that are uh, being taken care of, 
sure. by their their loved ones or, or something like that, or perhaps that their 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 mental health has declined some, and so getting them out of the home is very difficult. Yeah. Um, we do site visits as well. We do lots of outreach. Um, it's made it so that I can identify the most efficient ways to do my job, and that that has been extremely helpful. Right. Yeah, hey, that makes sense. So when you're not serving people, what do you do to cut loose? You know, relax. You I know, can't you? say that. All right, that's <laughs> not for <laughs> even on a podcast. Um, Inter- no. Interpretive dance. Yeah, <laughs> I thought for sure so, you should say jogging. You should try. Yeah, you try. Yeah. Try it sometime. Uh, my my big my big uh, murder ball fun <laughs> thing to do. I I I really enjoy going to the gym. Um, I really enjoy hanging out with my kids. Yeah. Um, my my. Middle son, he is now in football, and that's that's pretty much enveloped all of my time outside. And, Are you the uh, dad that screams, or you don't say anything? I try to be quiet. I do. You do. Well, you I got do. your you got your boys left in too now. Yeah, I, I got the boys in the gym. Uh, since we just before uh, they started football, they said, "Hey, you know, we we kind of want to start this stuff and yoking out a little yeah, bit." Exactly. And so I'm like, "Well, then come with me." You know? <laughs> so uh, we started working on a diet to you know find. Uh, foods that they really like that uh, give them the best nutritional output. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, they they really like that. Um, but they also really like Doritos. So yeah, oh, that's fair. Kids, yeah. That's fair yeah. <laughs> well, well, and you, you made a reference to it earlier too about best dress is something you might not know about Chris Hinton is he owns a women's clothing store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Uh, he doesn't model it. You know, that I know. Well, no, well, yeah. Uh, so up on uh, Commerce oh, Drive there. Oh, here in Mankato? Uh, yeah, we have, uh, it's North Mankato, but it's uh, Winton & Co. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's attached to Indulge Tanning and Salon. I've actually seen and, this, Chris. I didn't even know you owned it. Yeah. Huh. yeah. It's a hell of a cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I wouldn't say that I'm a a, 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 a really active member yeah. in it. Okay. Like, we go to the shows. I help buy clothes and stuff, and sure. Cherie makes me put them on. Oh, yeah, are you sugar daddy yeah. helping buy clothes and stuff? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was out at Chris's farm, and I was like, what do you get all those uh, crates of thongs for? Is it because of your store? And he just, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Or what else would it, it be for? Is. Yeah. Oh, uh, but be, beyond that, um, I hang out at the farm a lot, too. Um, we have a ton of chickens out there, and then we had a bunch of goats, and, and uh, we've been cleaning up the farm. Uh, as many other farms have in the past, you have your your areas where people kind of live and hang out, and yeah. then you have where everyone dumps their trash. Right. <laughs> and so we've been cleaning that out. We had an old barn that we um, had to take down and burn, and it had fallen in, and, and so there was no saving it. Uh, but getting that, getting all the concrete out of there, yeah, uh, and just and making the, that uh, a home. That's a, that's a life in itself yeah, is maintaining it is, a it farm. Is. It is. So my nights are usually pretty busy, and... and um, the funny part is, is, is someone had asked me, like, well, you do all this stuff, Chris. You go, 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 and you're, you're, you have so many things that you're doing. Like, when do you get to relax? I'm like, to be honest, every night. Mm-hmm. I get home. I get to sit on my porch. I get to have a Adult little beverage. beverage mm-hmm. You know, I get to watch the sun go down. I get to watch the birds come in. I get to watch my chickens do silly shit, and it's, it is really fun, you know, and it's really relaxing. Kids are out there. You know, tossing the football or, or the you know baseball and and uh, tackling each other and then oh yeah. why'd you do that doing kid stuff yeah, yeah. just yeah. doing kid breaking stuff, stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah exactly you got one that's up in a tree can't get down and it's 
it's it's nice. Questions? Yeah. yeah. So uh, we always like to wrap up every podcast with a uh, with a with a couple questions. Uh, first and foremost, if you could go back in time and tell young Chris one piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? Mm. Don't beat up homeless people. Well, no, I see. I, I wouldn't actually. Oh, okay. I, I think that that was a pivotal moment that got me in the right path. Oh, okay. Uh, not many people can say that. Hey, crime <laughs> sent me in the right way. That's, uh, that's not an official endorsement for beating yeah. up homeless people. <laughs> he, he meant he was scared straight. Yeah, he was um, scared straight. I, I really wish that I had some advice. I mean, if if I could give myself some advice that would would save me some suffering that didn't affect the outcomes that I had. Oh, that's a good way because a, a lot of of where I I grew was through pain. Yeah, I was all the time. You can't grow without suffering. I agree, a hundred thousand percent. Now, if I could give myself advice to do, uh, maybe start buying houses uh, earlier. I, I probably <laughs> would, I would say that. that that'd probably be my best advice to tell myself is, Hey, maybe start buying some houses, you know, a little bit earlier, right. save up some more money and do that. Yeah. That, that'd probably be where I go with that. Uh, I think you pretty much answered this, but uh, if you had to, you'd, would you do it all over again? Absolutely. Right um, my time in the military uh, and, and my time through my really my life has been nothing but a blessing. Um, my military career, it was, it was what everyone wants it to be. I got to go all over the world. I got to see and do things that I never, ever, ever would have imagined that I got to see and do. Um, I got to share that with some people as well. So that was insanely cool. Um, my life afterwards, it has been up and down, but beautiful at the same time. Nice. Um, I have a, a wonderful family. I have a wonderful extended family. I, 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 I can't say enough about the people that I surround myself with. That's great. Uh, one last question on a different note. Favorite barbecue food? Mm, I toss back and forth. I, I really do. Um, I'm going to go <laughs> either. Sounds like a normal conversation yeah, for Chris. Yeah. Oh, man. Talked <laughs> I don't, about this I don't yesterday, too but bad, I said. But, uh, I'm going to say uh, I usually always go for the brisket, like <sighs> almost always. But here's guess. the thing. I actually really, really like ribs. I knew what I was going to say ribs. I was yeah. just going to say that. I knew you were a rib eater. I really you said anything like ribs. but ribs, I would have been I amazed. I knew it. Yeah, no, no, I believe it. So. I should have wrote that down. I've been so right. <laughs> we can, well, you, you look at me. I'm not exactly a you know spring chicken anymore. So, got it. Well, we can rewind it if you want. No, uh, no. I just, I just like calling it. I just knew it. He just looks like a ribs guy. You know. <laughs> what do you think he was gonna say? Cheeseburger? Oh no, on, no. Man. I mean, you 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 knew that it was gonna be in the pork category. You just did. Oh, you, yeah. you could tell he wanted the flavor. You know, but the. Just you know, I can just see him with the. Like he wants the meat and the you know yeah, the, uh, yeah. the bone. You know that's what it's all about. That's yeah, what it's caveman all about. Instinct. Uh, Chris Hinton, thank you so much for joining us and being on Strength of Service. We can't thank you enough for your time and for yeah. most importantly for your service. Not well, only uh, thanks, Chris. You know, yeah, honestly, thanks, thank you guys for inviting me here. This has been a really cool experience. Always oh, can find anybody else. Nope. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Honestly, Scott you were like number eight on the no, list. Like, like, I was really happy that you you said it's such a nice little send off going there. They called me about. Four hours ago. Yeah. Like, what? what? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll put pants on. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to take the dress off? Uh, remember, uh, you can find Strength and Service wherever you find your podcast. And, of course, as always, you can download it at KTOE.com. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Strength from Service. 
This is the Strength From Service Podcast. 